Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. I appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. Our announcer just mentioned 2 John verse 9. If you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you have not God. And you can't be saved without God. The only way we can be saved is through the grace and mercy of God. So if we have to abide in the teaching of Christ to have God to be saved, that means anybody who's not abiding in the teaching of Christ is not going to be saved. So all these different churches and preachers teaching different things, they can't all be saved because they're teaching different things. And if they're teaching different things, not all of them can be abiding in the teaching of Christ, what's actually taught by the Bible. That just shows how serious we need to take this. I mean, a lot of preachers will just say, well, as long as you're sincere, it doesn't really matter what you believe and teach and practice in religion. The very opposite of that is true. If you really believe Jesus is the son of God, that means he's the ultimate authority. So if you really believe he's the son of God, you're going to follow his teachings. If you're not following his teachings, then your love for him is deficient. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. In John 15, 14, Jesus said, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So if you're not doing what he commands then you're not his friend. You don't have a relationship with him. If you're not abiding in the teaching of Christ, perhaps you're part of a church that allows gay marriage or allows women preachers or accepts adulterous marriages per Matthew 19, 9 or sprinkles babies for baptism. That's not abiding in the teaching of Christ as we pointed out many times on this program. Therefore, you don't have God. You can't be saved. One thing we've talked about on this program a number of times, usually because somebody calls in and asks about it, but we've brought it up ourselves too. That's what we're going to do tonight. Is this idea of once saved, always saved? We've taught many times on this program that that's a false teaching, that it is possible for a Christian to lose his salvation. Sometimes people ask me, but if that's true, Pat, how can a Christian lose his salvation? Well, I think that's another easy question to answer. You know, there's dozens and dozens of passages in the Bible, Old Testament, but especially in the New Testament, that conclusively prove that once saved, always saved is false. If you look at those passages, perhaps every one of them, or practically every one of them, will tell you in the passage itself how that person lost his salvation. For example, Let's read Galatians 5, 2 through 4. And I'm reading from the New King James Version here. It says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, ye have fallen from grace. So clearly this is teaching Contrary to the doctrine that a Christian can't fall from grace, he tells these people, you have fallen from grace. It's funny that some churches say you can't fall from grace. This one says these people had. It's so easy to understand if you just accept what the Bible says that a person can fall from grace. You don't have to interpret it. You just read what it says plainly and believe it. You can't fall from a tree unless you're in the tree. These people had fallen from grace. That means they were in grace. You can't fall from grace unless you were in grace. They had fallen from grace. They were in grace, they were saved, they fallen from grace, they lost their salvation. You know why? That's the question for tonight. For tonight, how did they fall from grace? 
Well, it says they were trying to be justified by the Old Testament law. In this case, and, and there's a whole debate about this, and the whole chapter of Acts chapter 15 is about this. There were Jews who were converted to Christ, saying that the Gentiles who were converted to Christ had to be circumcised to be saved and keep the law of Moses. And he's saying here in Galatians, look, if you try to bind circumcision or any other law, even just one law from the Old Testament, you become estranged from Christ. You're attempting to be justified by the law. You're still binding parts of the Old Testament law. You're falling from grace. You've lost your salvation. So how can a Christian lose his salvation according to that passage? Well, well, like what the Seventh-day Adventists do. They teach that the Sabbath, the fourth of the Ten Commandments, is still binding today. That if you work on the Sabbath, the Saturday, that's a sin. Well, they're doing exactly what Galatians 5, 2 through 4 says not to do. They're trying to be justified by the law. Therefore, they have fallen from grace. That would apply to any law in the Old Testament. No matter how big or small, no matter whether we like it or not, we take sometimes people just take their favorite instructions from the Old Testament and try to bind them. You can't do that. You try to attempt to be justified by the law. You're falling from grace. You lose your salvation. That's one way a Christian can lose his salvation by trying to bind any part of the Old Testament law. We're under the New Testament law exclusively. Hebrews 7, 12 says, for the priesthood being changed, there's made a necessity to change also the law. The argument is if part of it changed, the whole thing changed. We're under the New Testament law exclusively. If we try to go back to the Old Testament law to bind even one thing, we'll lose our salvation. That's one way a Christian can lose his salvation. How about Hebrews 3? Hebrews 3, beginning in verse 1, says, Where therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So in verse 1, we see that Christians are, be talking, are being talking, talked to. He calls them brethren, but not only that, holy brethren. That means they've been sanctified. They've been cleansed of their sins. And not only that, they have been partakers of the heavenly calling. Only a Christian has partaken of the heavenly calling. So he's definitely talking to people who have been born again, people who have been saved, Christians here. Not just pretenders, but true Christians here. Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. And he warns them in verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. So how can a Christian lose his salvation? Well, if he develops an evil heart of unbelief and departs from the living God. Well, does this passage teach that they lose their salvation if they become a believer, becomes an unbeliever and departs from God? Well, let's look at John 3.36 to try to verify what you know is true about that. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's the first part, the A part of the verse. And the B part is, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So here's a person. He's never, he's not a Christian, but he becomes a Christian. Maybe he's 20 years old. He hears the gospel. He believes it. He obeys it. He becomes a Christian. The first part of that verse applies to him. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But then maybe five years later, he changes his mind. He does what Hebrews 3 verse 12 makes clear is very possible. This holy brother, a partaker of the heavenly calling, a Christian, develops an evil heart of unbelief and departs from God. He's not a believer anymore. So the second part, the B part of John 3, 36, applies to him now. He's an unbeliever. He used to be a believer, but now he's an unbeliever. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So he loses his salvation because he's no longer a believer. That should be pretty clear. You know, Hebrews 3.12 is warning these Christians, these brethren, 
of developing an evil heart of unbelief. You don't warn people about things that aren't possible. My friend here, Alan Dvorak, has this illustration. You don't see any billboard signs in Huntsville, Alabama that say, beware of sharks. Why? We're not near the ocean. Now, you might see one of those, say, in Panama City, Florida, because they're near the ocean. It's possible to encounter a shark, but it's not possible to encounter a shark, Huntsville, Alabama. So they don't bother to warn people about beware of the sharks. There are no sharks around. Same thing here. Why would he be warning Christians against developing an evil heart of unbelief and departing from God if that were impossible? But that's what a lot of churches say. The Baptist, the Presbyterian, example, they say it's impossible for a Christian, a true Christian, to develop an evil heart of unbelief and lose his salvation. But this shows it is possible. Here's holy brethren, that's sanctified and cleansed, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That's got to be a Christian. Can't be a pretender. If somebody who's been saved, he's born again, and he's warned against developing an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. No, God would not warn him of that if it were not possible. So it's possible for a believer, a true Christian, a truly born-again person to develop an evil heart of unbelief and depart from the living God. If he does, then he falls under the condemnation of the second part of John 3, 36. He used to be to be a believer, but now he's an unbeliever. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. He loses his salvation. Now, the question for tonight is, how did he lose his salvation? I've been asked, how can a Christian lose his salvation if he develops an evil heart of unbelief and departs from the living God? Isn't that what Hebrews 3.12 says? Now, that's pretty simple. Again, it didn't require any interpretation. You just, you believe what it says because it says it very plainly. Like when you get a letter from your girlfriend or your mother or from your boss at work, you don't have to interpret it. It's not written in code. You didn't, when you got a letter from your girlfriend when you were a teenager, you didn't have to take it down to the president of the local theological seminary to interpret it for you. No, you just read it and understood it. It didn't take any interpretation. You don't have to interpret this. It just means what it says. It's just a matter of whether or not we love God enough to accept it. We can be, love our false teaching so much. We want it to be true that once saved is always Saved is true. I mean, it's wishful thinking. We want that to be true so we can live any old way we want to and still be saved. But Hebrews 3, verse 12, and the previous verse, Galatians 5, verse 4, make it clear it's not really true. In that same chapter, Hebrews 3, 14, it says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So you're only going to be a partaker of Christ. You're only going to be saved if you hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast unto the end. If you don't hold it to the end, you're not going to be a partaker of Christ. What's our question for tonight? How could a Christian lose his salvation if he doesn't hold his confidence, the confidence he had in Christ when he became a Christian, if he does not hold the beginning of his confidence steadfast to the end? That's pretty simple, isn't it? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 877- 655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. We'll entertain any question or any comment on any Bible topic. How about James 5, 19 and 20? Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, this passage envisions a brother in Christ, just like we were talking about in Hebrews, wandering from the truth. The main point of the passage is those that are left, the Christians that haven't wandered from the truth, are trying to convert him back, turn him back. If we do, we save his soul from death. 
What's the implication? The implication is that if he refuses to turn back, refuses to be converted back, his soul will die. We're not talking about physical death. We're talking about his soul dying. We're talking about his sins not being covered if he's not converted back. He wanders from the truth. If he's converted back, his soul is saved from death and his sins are covered. But if he refuses to be converted back, his soul dies, his sins are not covered, he's lost. So the question for tonight then is, how can a Christian lose his salvation? Well, it's clear he can. If he wanders from the truth, his soul is going to die. How? Well, it's clear if he wanders from the truth. So if a Christian tries to bind the Old Testament, Galatians 5, or if a Christian develops an evil heart of unbelief and departs from the living God, Hebrews 3, or if a Christian loses the confidence that he, in Christ that he had in the beginning, or if a Christian wanders from the truth, these four passages teach he loses his salvation. You see, you can, there are dozens and dozens of passages in the New Testament that conclusively prove once saved, always saved is false. Not a single passage in all of the Bible says that that's impossible. If there was a verse like that, it would, the Bible would contradict itself and it would prove that the Bible's not written by God. I think every single passage, all dozens, all the dozens and dozens of them, every single one of them that show that once saved, always saved is false, they tell you how a Christian can lose his salvation. For example, Revelation 3, 5. Here's another one. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So here it is. What's the book of life? Well, we all know there's the book of life is mentioned eight or ten times in the Bible. It's, it's like it's the list that God has of the names of all the saved people. So it says here, if you overcome temptation, persecution, your name will not be blotted out. Well, what's the implication? If you don't overcome temptation, your name will be blotted out of the book of life. If your name's blotted out of the book of life, that means it was in there. At one point, you were saved. Then your name was blotted out. That means you're not saved anymore. That's, again, conclusive proof that once saved, always saved is false. He was in the book of life, the list of the names of all the saved people. Now he's been blotted out. He's not saved anymore. The question for tonight is why? Why did he lose his salvation? Because he didn't overcome temptation. Isn't that what he says? If you overcome, your name will not be blotted out of the book of life, implying that if you don't overcome temptation, your name will be blotted out of the book of life. You will lose your salvation. Johnny from Washington State, go ahead with your question or comment, please. I'm calling about Hebrews chapter 8, sir. Hebrews 8? I mean, Hebrews what chapter verse? 10, verse 8. Okay, I'm turning there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8, it says, Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. And what about that What about that verse? What do you want to know about it? I, I'm not sure I know what you want to ask, but what are you asking about? I don't know. How about Matthew chapter chapter 10, verse 8? Okay, you don't know what you want to ask about Hebrews 10.8? Well, you couldn't answer the question, so we'll go on to the next one. Well, you wait a minute. I, I didn't, I want what do you want to know about Hebrews 10.8? Matthew what I chapter 10, verse 28. All right, Matthew 10.28. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in, in H-E-L-L, everlasting punishment. Is there anything in particular you want to know about that verse? Hebrew, Matthew 10, verse 28. 
Well, since this is World War Three, you probably better get ready. <laughs> so what Matthew ten twenty eight is saying? Funny, look, you're all gonna die. You're gonna get your ass fucking nuked. Now what? So what Matthew ten twenty eight is talking about is is don't fear man. All he can do is kill the body. All he can do is kill you physically. You fear God. You respect God. You obey God because he can send you to the bad place. He said, I have a, a preacher friend that used to say this. I mean, why would you be scared of a man? All a man can do is kill you. Don't be scared of man. You need to be fear. You need to fear God. I mean, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, uh, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man, this is why we're here, why we're on this earth, is to fear God and keep his commandments. And yet we have people claiming to be Christians that say you don't have to keep his commandments. When the Bible says that's the whole duty while we're here, and that's what they're talking about. Once saved, always saved. Once you become a Christian, you don't have to keep his commandments. You're going to be saved no matter what you do. Of course, we're proving that false. That's Again, it's just wishful thinking. People want to believe that. Because they want to live a certain way. They want to live the way they want to live and still be saved instead of having to live the way God told them to live in order to be saved. So they concocted this false theory of once saved, always saved. When the Bible teaches practically on every page of the Bible, you can find at least one verse, perhaps more, that conclusively proves once saved, always saved is false. I don't mean just hints around at it. I mean conclusively proves that it's false. Here's another one. 1 John 1, 9, people may not realize this, but 1 John 1, 9 teaches against one saved, always saved. You know, there are a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about, especially in the New Testament, what does a Christian have to do to be saved? 1 John 1, 9 is talking about, what about a person who's already a Christian? And then they sin, because none of us lives perfectly. Even Hopefully, when we become a Christian, we live a whole lot better, sin a whole lot less than we did before we became a Christian. But everybody sins, at least every now and then. What do you do? First John 1, 9, written to the Christian, the one that's already become a Christian, the one that's already been born again. What happens if he sins? If, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what's that saying? You've got to confess your sins to be forgiven of them if you're a Christian. Well, that would imply that if you don't confess them, you're not going to be forgiven. You're going to be lost again. Conclusive proof that once saved, always saved is false. Now, what's our question for tonight? How can a Christian lose his salvation? Well, if he refuses to confess his sins. Here's a man that leaves his wife, divorces her for, say, incompatibility. And then he marries another. Well, Matthew 19.9 says if he does that, he commits adultery. Matthew 19.9 said whoever puts away their wife, except it be for fornication, and marries another, commits adultery. So he's in his second marriage. He's committing adultery. And... He refuses to turn from that. He refuses to terminate that adulterous marriage. He stays in that adultery. He's not willing to repent of, confess his sins. He's not going to be forgiven. You see how a Christian can lose his salvation? If he goes off into sin, like unscriptural marriage or any other kind of sin, and he refuses to turn from it, he refuses to confess it, he refuses to repent of it, he's going to be lost. That's how one way a Christian can lose his salvation. Kelvin from Texas. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. I don't have a question. I have a comment. Thank God for it. Yes, sir. Thank God that you were teaching the word line up on line, precept upon precept. Because this is what the body of Christ needs to hear. 
too much of the body of Christ has been sitting on the milk of the word, refusing to accept the meat of the word in order to glorify Christ in our walk. So God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Kelvin, thanks for your call. Appreciate the encouragement, okay? All right. Keep listening, okay? Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a good evening. Call me anytime. Thank you, Kelvin. All right. Okay. Bye. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Bible question or comment on any Bible topic, 877-655-6755. We have about five more minutes to go on this program. First Corinthians 927. Paul said, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul recognizes the fact that he could be disqualified. Disqualified from what? Salvation. One, the King James says, castaway. In other words, he's not going to make his destination. How could Paul lose his salvation if he doesn't discipline his body? For example, us men know that if we see a Beautiful woman, we're tempted to commit fornication or adultery, but we got to discipline our body, keep it under subjection and not succumb to that temptation. Or perhaps if somebody's doing something that frustrates us like crazy, getting on our nerves, we're tempted to fly off the handle, to lose our temper. We have to discipline our body, keep it under subjection. Paul's saying, I have to discipline my body and keep it under subjection, lest I become disqualified, lest he loses his place in him. And if Paul can lose his salvation, one of the greatest Christians of all time, one of the greatest preachers of all time, certainly we can. Well, no, how? This passage clearly proves one can lose, a Christian can lose his salvation. Paul's presenting the possibility that even he could. How? If he doesn't keep his body under subjection. You know, if he, if he succumbs to the sinful, the fleshly lust, instead of following the teaching of the Bible, he lets, he follows where the lust of his flesh takes him. He says, you'll lose your salvation if you do that. That's Any Christian will lose his salvation. If he cheats on his wife, if he flies off the hammer handle and loses his temper and treats people ugly, cusses people out, or even, even treats them ugly without cussing them out, he can lose his salvation. Ephesians 4.32 says we've got to be kind to other people. How about Ezekiel 18.24 in the Old Testament? It says, but when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed, because of them he shall die. Now, this is in the Old Testament, but even even though they were under different law than what we're under, this, this proves they could lose their salvation back then. Here's a righteous man. Now, that righteous man, I mean, obviously he wouldn't be righteous if he hadn't been forgiven. Nobody lives perfectly. So he's been forgiven. He's a righteous man because he's been forgiven and he's living righteously. But he turns from his righteousness, commits iniquity, does according to all the abominations of the wicked man. The question is raised, is he going to live or die spiritually? The answer is die. He's going to be lost. He's a righteous man, forgiven, living righteously according to God's word. He's saved. He turns away from that and starts living like a wicked man. He loses his salvation. Clearly proving once saved, always saved under Old Testament times was false. How could he lose his salvation? According to that, that's our question for tonight. Well, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and starts living like a wicked man, he's going to lose his salvation. Do you see that? Let's see if we can get one more passage in before my time is up. 
Second Chronicles 15, verse 2, also in the Old Testament. I'm going to read the last part. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. If we forsake God, he will forsake us. So you can lose your salvation by forsaking God. As long as we don't forsake him, he'll never forsake us. But if we forsake him, he will forsake us. We'll lose our salvation. We've gone over five or six ways. A person, Christian, can lose his salvation. It's up to us to believe him. Quit going by wishful thinking. Start believing what the Bible says. If you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime at your convenience, at a time convenient for you, call me or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience. Call or text me at 256-682-9753. Appreciate you listening this evening. Be sure and listen next week at this same time. Perhaps we'll continue on with this same study or pick up a new topic.